What is up, everybody? Welcome to Ben's Chatter, the common man's NBA podcast, coming at you for the second night in a row to get in right before the NBA draft happened. Just, no, I, I think it's pretty simple the way we're going to do this. We're going to start with the Pistons, and we're going to go all the way down to the Warriors, and kind of just kind of just do it that way. So, you know... No, that's the NFL draft. What's that NBA draft noise? I don't even know. All right. Make up your own. Yeah, yeah we're just going to use the NFL one because it, it works. I mean, When the pick is in, it's like... I think it's the same. I want to say it's the same. I don't think so. I don't think so either, but... All right. Well... We'll add that in in post. We'll get Brandon to add that in. In post. <laughs> Alright, Colin. Yeah. We've got a who big do you have here. going number one overall? Well, no, I, I think this should be pretty consensus. Uh, when this gentleman announced that he was officially declaring for the draft and when it was announced that the Pistons had the number one overall pick. There was a report that came out that actually said uh, that this gentleman only had intentions of working out with one team, which is insane because I believe this to be a pretty loaded draft class, Noah. But Cade Cunningham is (laughs) the best player in this draft. I agree. Um, I don't know if that's undisputed necessarily, it, it but I think he's very clearly the number one. Yeah, he is. Um, Cade Cunningham, a 6'8", 220, 19-year-old coming out of Oklahoma State, Colin. Um, mm-hmm. This guy this guy kind of screams like the exact type of player slash body type that you want out of a modern superstar nowadays, Colin. Um, yeah. The GM of the Pistons, Troy Weaver, he was actually the guy in 2001 who was the most responsible for recruiting Carmelo Anthony to Syracuse. Um, and as you know, Carmelo, oh. Carmelo Anthony helped Syracuse win the NCAA championship. And, um, he did do that. <clears throat> while Cade Cunningham's a different player, I think he brings a lot of the same winning qualities that Carmelo does. Um, he shot 40% from the college three-point line on nearly two makes a game. And he averaged 20 points and 6 rebounds. Um, He played the point guard, Colin, but I think that he may become a better wing in the NBA. Or he could stick as a guard in somewhat of a Luka Doncic-type role. And I think this is a home run for the Pistons, Colin. I think they should be feeling extremely lucky, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to land on the top four in this draft, without spoiling anything going forward, you're hitting a home run. I mean, I've read multiple reports that the top three picks in this draft all would have gone first last year, Mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy to just say that amount of depth and superstar potential in a single draft class, but we're here, and here it is. Uh, I just want to read you Cade Cunningham's... um, body metrics so he's six foot eight which is really solid especially considering he's mostly a guard can play the forward 220 with a seven foot wingspan Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> a seven foot wingspan that's come on like just how, how are you not you know an NBA player when, you, when you've got those kind of dimensions his yeah. college slash line was 20 points a game six boards three and a half assists and one and a half steals that's that is absurd for college like that's nuts and he was largely the uh, the reason that Oklahoma State did as well as they did because Oklahoma State not widely considered to be a college basketball dominating force. Yeah, um, I feel like Colin that Cade is maybe the only one in this draft who will actually come in. I think he immediately makes every player on the Pistons better um, when he comes into play. And I don't know if I can say that about almost anyone else in this draft, Colin. No. No. Um, he, he. I think Luca. I mean, obviously at this point, Luca's kind of a crazy comparison. But it, he's not nearly as unathletic as Luca, but he's not a guy with superior athleticism in terms of just that quickness off the ball in his driving. He's a, he's a bit more methodical and definitely a three level scorer. You know, he can kind of do it everywhere. He's not a guy that is just getting to the rim. He's not a guy that's just shooting. He's doing it all. Not as slowly as Luca, Luca moves, um, maybe a better comparison, I don't know, like uh, kind of the way maybe Jason Tatum plays the game. Mm-hmm. Do you like he that also, comparison? He also, um, three of the comparisons I had were Luka, Jason Tatum, and he also kind of plays like Grant Hill, Colin. Um, wow. I don't know how much, I don't know how much you've seen at Grant Hill, but there was a point in his career before the injuries where he was probably going to be the best player in the NBA. He um, he was similar He's to Luka. He's about to be the face of the NBA. Yeah. And go, going back to your point, um, yeah, Cade is not, like, the best athlete in this draft, but a, um, a quality I do think him and Luka share is, like, the craftiness in their game, um, mm-hmm. which you have to have to be able to score at the rim in the NBA. And that's a really nice quality I like out of Cade Cunningham. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and I think just speaking to what the Pistons need, uh, everything. So, yeah, they're definitely drafting best available, not really per need. Um, I, I'm really excited to see how he pairs with Killian Hayes, who definitely had an abbreviated freshman year or uh, rookie year in the league. Also, fucking damn it, the White Sox lost. Uh, I'm, I'm livid. No, I'm livid. It's not. Ugh. All right, this is a basketball podcast, though. All right, but for anybody out there, I'm mad about the White Sox. So that that will carry through a little bit in the pod, Noah, but uh, I'm going to attempt to retain all of those feelings right here. Okay? Okay. All right, fantastic. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, the Pistons have Jeremy Grant, who I – is a nice player. He's don't get me wrong, though. He's a very nice player. I don't know if he necessarily fits into their long-term plans, based on where they are right now. But it'll be interesting to see, especially because, as you said, Kate is a guy that you plug in right now and has immediate impact. Yeah, this Pistons scene is fun, Colin. A starting lineup of him, Killian, Jeremy Grant, 
Sadiq Bay probably and Isaiah Stewart. Like yeah. that's fun at least for Pistons fans. Yeah. Like at least if they're they're probably gonna lose a lot of games, Colin, but they'll definitely be more competitive than they were last year. Um Yeah. Where do you think Cade goes fantasy wise, Colin? Because he's gonna have a productive he's gonna have a, he's gonna have a yeah. productive year, but he will probably struggle with those efficiency numbers. So Lamelo in our draft last year, I want to say went around seventy eight, um, and that turned out to actually be kind of low. Actually, probably accurate based on the injury time, but based on what he proved he could do, that was actually low. But it, it was kind of a reach in the moment. It was kind of like a eh. Um, and I anticipate that he goes somewhere around there, if not a touch earlier. So I'm going to say around the 70th to 85th pick. It's kind of a wide range. I, I'm saying, what is that, like the 7th round? The seventh six, round. To, six to 7th round, yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Your league. You agree with that? Yeah. yeah. But I think, I, mean, I think he could easily exceed that, like, ADP. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, there's no two doubts about that. All right. Well, I don't think you, you tuned into this podcast to hear that Kate Cunningham is going first. <laughs> that's pretty well known. Um, what might get a little bit more contentious, Noah, is the second pick. Uh, and I'll let you go first as to who you have being drafted. So... Um, I was going off of accuracy on this draft, Con. I wasn't necessarily going off with my... this. My mock draft does have shades of, like, my personal opinion, but also I'm trying to predict mm-hmm. the right order. Um, if I was the Rockets GM Ooh, okay. personally, I think Evan Mobley's the pick here, but on my mock draft, oh. I have I have Jalen Green going second to the Rockets. <laughs> No, stick with your gut. Uh, okay, all right. I respect it. Green analysis. Um, Green, he's um, he played in the G League Ignite this season. Colin, he's a six five, hundred eighty pound, um, shooting guard. Uh, he's a three level scorer who has an insane first step explosiveness. Um, I think he's re- going to be really good in the transition offense, but. There are questions about his shot selection quality and his defensive effort. Um, an easy comparison right now, Colin, is probably Zach Levine. Um, and I like that. I also think he's. I also think Anthony Edwards is a pretty good comparison. Um, choosing not to play in college, Green signed with the G League Ignite team, Colin, and he played 15 games against G League competition in their um, winter mm-hmm. bubble. And he performed pretty well. He averaged 18 points, shooting 36.5% from the NBA three-point line, which is something you really like to see because we see sometimes guys who shoot very well in college have a hard time transitioning to the NBA um, three-point line. And I think that's all going to translate to the NBA. Um, The only real difference is escalated competition, but you have to assume Green's going to also up his level of performance. Um, The issue with projecting him this high, Colin, is... Whether he can really dominate Con, because I feel like to be a dominant shooting guard in this league, you have to be able to. There's not a lot of dominant, dominant shooting guards, Con. I feel like you either have to be more than just a scorer, which I don't think Green is at this point, or you have to be able to score 30 mm-hmm. points consistently. Um, and I think if you're going to take a yeah. wing at this level, 
they have to be capable of like completely taking over a game. Um, Jalen Green scored 26 in one G League game call, and that was his season high, but he also had four games of 13 points or fewer. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a big concern. I think that's more of a minor concern. Yeah, I but don't think so either. Yeah, I think I think Jalen Green goes here second, Colin, because I think the Rockets see themselves being more easily able to build around a shooting guard than maybe Evan Mobley. And in Ev- when they have Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., Colin, that's an explosive offense. But who knows how much they give up on the other that, end. Yeah, that is an explosive offense. And I hear what you're saying because you don't win in the NBA anymore by having a dominant center. Uh, if yeah. that was the case, you know, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic probably would have had deeper runs uh, because those are the two best centers in the NBA. Not saying that you can't um, because it, it's clearly been done and being somebody like Anthony Davis, you can dominate. But with that said, it is much easier to build around a guard. I think that guard play is the epitome of where we're at in the NBA and the center kind of comes second, unless you have a generational talent, which I perceive Evan Mobley to kind of start to fit into that mold. Mm-hmm. So I, I hear you on Jalen green. Um, I think that Houston's a good place for him too, because they're not expecting anything. He can definitely work mm-hmm. through um, some of these kinks that he has in this game. Uh, one of the things that I have noted is that, he does play a lot of ISO, so going to a team that might have more expectations for this season um, or other players that need the ball in their hands to score that you're trying to develop might take away from that. So I think it's a really good place in Houston where they don't have a ton of talent. You know, you've got Kevin Porter Jr., you got Christian Wood. We'll see what they do with. John Wall, I I don't even know. Does John Wall stay in Houston? I mean, nobody wants that contract. Yeah, probably. Um, I only, I think he only has like two years left, so. Only two years? Jeez. Yeah, that's going to yeah, be a long two years. Yeah. Well, so then, you know, he, he has to work with John Wall and the other guys that need the ball in their hands, but I, I think it'll be a good place for him to develop. And I agree with the idea that the Rockets are more likely to take Jalen Green than Evan Mobley. But if it was me? But with that said... I'm yeah. taking Evan Mobley. With that said, let's move to the, the next guy on the list. So so do you have Jalen Green uh, going third, Colin? No, I do have Evan Mobley going second. I think that he is... So, all right, let's, let's dive into that analysis then. Evan Mobley is a physical specimen. Mm-hmm. And he's only going to put out more weight. He's a seven foot 215 guy. And if you're 215, you're like, hey, that's a lot of weight. Not really for a guy that big. You know, think of like how skinny Giannis was coming to the league to where he's at now. Mm-hmm. You know? You hear, you, you hear what I'm saying? You're picking up what I'm putting down? Mm-hmm. So when we look at it that way, I just think that this kid has... Uh, the ceiling on this kid is easily the second highest in this draft behind Kate Cunningham. We're talking about a guy, Noah, his college slash line 
was 16 points a game, eight and a half boards, two and a half assists, and almost three blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty crazy. Got a seven foot four wingspan, and he can do it. He has the shot. He has, I, I won't call it a, a perimeter shot, but he can stroke the 18 footer, which is huge coming into the NBA. That's a thing that a lot of guys struggle with. Um, and he's comfortable with the ball in his hands. I mean, he's a guy that can move. He can go coast to coast, and it doesn't look like that uh, clip of, uh, oh, my God, what's his name? Shaqton a Fool, the uh, the Hall of Fame of Shaqton a Fool. JaVel McGee. (laughs) You know what clip I'm talking about? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's he's not going to look like that. It's going to be smooth. He's going to be athletic. I just think he's such a special talent that even in this day and age of your guards run the team or, you know, maybe your, your small forwards, Evan Mobley supersedes that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of in love with Evan Mobley calling him. I think he's the perfect model of the modern big man that you want in the NBA nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. He's mobile. He's skilled. He's competitive at both ends, too. Um he, the moment he steps into that Cavs building, Colin, he's an immediate difference maker on both ends. And if he can expand his offensive game, Colin, we're looking at like, we're looking at a special, special talent here um, in Evan Mobley. Oh yeah. Um, is some comparisons I had were just Chris Bosh, Anthony Davis, um, former IU alum Noah mm. Vonley, Colin. I actually think that they have mm. clearly Evan Mobley is better, but I do think they play in the same kind of um, yeah mold and mm-hmm. I do think that I think that Mobley can coexist with Jared Allen too I think you have two very athletic and versatile bigs and that's a scary front court Colin um yeah that's a real scary front court Mobley had 10 games Combined of four with... blocks or more and he just averaged he averaged <laughs> just insane. under nine rebounds per game and if he can develop that shot Colin Evan Mobley I'm I'm excited to see this guy play in the league. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, assuming that he uh, he does go to Cleveland, which is not a guarantee by any stretch of the imagination, uh, you're looking at a real young core there, and one that's pretty exciting to watch. You've got Colin Sexton and Darius Garland in the backcourt, leading the charge there. Two guys that have really shown potential to score 20 points a game. You team up Jarrett Allen with Evan Mobley. Ooh-wee. Ooh-wee, Noah. That is... <laughs> that is nice. That's a yeah. fun team. Um, yeah, anything else to say about Evan Mobley? Um, yeah, I like that. I have, like, AD is kind of my comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Evan Mobley's going to be a really good player. I think so, too. Yeah, I really liked your comment. He fits the modern-day big mold. He's not just a guy that posts up in the paint. He can kind of get it from everywhere and guard two through five? Three through five. Well, ah. one, through, one through five, yeah. dude. He can he can one hold his five? own switching against yeah, guards. I, I, okay, I, I didn't want to go too too far with that take. I was like, let's bring it back, but I felt it. And yeah, I should have just ran with it. 
This yeah. is the time to make wild wild takes about these guys, Colin, because we haven't seen him play he yet. He can guard 0 through 5. He can guard the whole goddamn bench, Noah. He'll guard 1 through 5 simultaneously. Yeah. I mean, bada-bing, bada-boom. All right. All right. So, so I assume you have Jalen Green going third, right, Colin? Yeah. So, yeah, despite... Um, what the Cavs' backcourt situation is, uh, my assumption is there have been rumors that Colin Sexton is on the trade block, which then would, you know, make room for Jalen Green. Um, I'm going to go with a bit of a stretch here. If, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's the time for hot takes. If um, Evan Mobley gets drafted second, and the Cavs are looking at this board, there's a guy I really like. I really, really like. Uh, and it wouldn't cause them to have to break up the front court, and that is Scotty Barnes out of Florida mm. State, Noah. Mm. How spicy does that take? Um, I'll talk about Scotty soon. I'll, I'll tell you that. Oh. Okay. All right. We'll we'll run, we'll run through it naturally. But I kind of like Scotty Barnes. I don't think that that would happen. I think that they would figure something else out or potentially trade back before taking Scotty Barnes at three. Because I, I do think that in terms of the tiers of how talented these players are, that w- it wouldn't make any sense to just straight up take him at three. But I like Scotty Barnes fit a lot on the Cavs. All right, so we're at the Raptors at four. Uh, so far, our draft board has gone Cade, Jalen, Evan. And who do you have going to Toronto? Um, There's, you know, Jalen Suggs seemed like the no-brainer fourth pick con, but Scotty Barnes mm-hmm. has actually been building a ton of, like, um, a ton of, like, hype that, he may potentially get taken by the Toronto Raptors at four. Um, personally, I have Jalen Suggs going here at four, Con. I think after those top three okay. players, Jalen Suggs is also in a tier of his own. And then the number five guy and the rest are below him. Um, I think I think Jalen Suggs just makes too much sense, Con, here for the Raptors. Yeah. Um, it gives them an easy insurance policy with um, whatever they want to do with Kyle Lowry. Um, and mm-hmm. I think we saw everything we see- needed to see out of um, out of Jalen Suggs, Colin, in that NCAA yeah. tournament run. Um, mm-hmm. He does everything you want, Colin. He's a shot maker. He plays mm-hmm. hard. He He's really good defensively. Um, he's a floor general who's extremely athletic, has really good game management skills, and he has excellent vision. Um, personally, I think Jalen Suggs could walk in and start on all 30 NBA teams right now. And yes, building around the core of him, Pascal, OG, and Fred Van Vliet sounds very fun to me, Colin. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I yeah, I think that Suggs makes just too much sense. Yeah, I think that I think I've said this before on the podcast, but there was a quote one time that. Woj tweeted out, and it was right after the 2019, no, the 2020 NCAA tournament got canceled. 
and it, it was a quote from a guy in a front office, not the GM. But they said, how do you feel about, you know, the tournament being canceled and not being able to see these players play and, you know, get these extra games and see who really rises to the challenge. And he was like, honestly, I really like it because there's always somebody who makes, like, a flashy tournament showing and moves up, like, 20 spots on our draft board that our GM falls in love with, and then we end up picking him, and he ends up just kind of being a boss. So that that point... (laughs) is not to say because Jalen Suggs had a phenomenal run in just the NCAA postseason. That point is more Jalen Suggs was phenomenal throughout the season. And it was just reiterated in the tournament. I think that he's not a guy that you're taking a flyer on. You know what you're getting. He's athletic. He can finish at the rim. He's got great body control. He is an excellent defender. He's so intelligent with the basketball it's just really exciting to watch him play and yeah I, I don't know I, when you said the all 30 teams I was trying to rack my brain like oh, is there a team that like he wouldn't start on and yeah I, I don't know maybe he wouldn't start on the Nets yeah. I don't know but <laughs> you don't know he probably takes Joe Harris's spot <laughs> so yeah that's that's what I got. Yeah, I think that Jalen Suggs is going to be a phenomenal pick at number four. Yeah. And, you know, like, you know for, for comparison, um, let's say Jalen Suggs in his form right now is available in last year's draft. Where does he fall? I'm thinking all four rookies, Colin, go in that six to eighth, sixth to eighth round range, these top four. No, 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 um, no, no, no. Apologies, apologies. Not fantasy. In oh, sorry. The actual draft last year. Draft. I think yeah. he could have gone second. If LaMelo's going first, I think Jalen Suggs easily could have gone second. Yeah. So you would take Jalen Suggs over Anthony Edwards? Any day of the week. And I think the Timberwolves yeah. would too. Yeah. Yeah. I Yes. Absolutely. Agreed. I think the last year's draft was very uh, Yes. Yeah. I think Jalen Suggs is easily the most, like, the least risk attached in maybe this whole draft con. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that argument. Because even as good as Kate is, he could still, you know, there's still room for him to not live up to everyone's expectations. But I think Jalen Suggs, what we saw him do in college, he's going to be exactly able to translate that to the NBA. Yeah. Last point, are you worried about Suggs He's shooting 27% from three in college. I mean, yeah. Like, that is, like, a concerning thing. But I think he will make... I think I think he'll shoot better than that. Um, probably on less attempts a game. So maybe his efficiency will go up. And I also think he'll be able to impact the floor in a number of other ways for the Raptors. Okay. All right. And he was a 76% free throw shooter. So, yeah, yeah, that could. I w- we like to go off the indication that free throw percentage in your amateur days will indicate as you develop a three-point shot. So, there's potential. All right, uh, let's move on. So then we have the Orlando Magic, who, oh, you've got... 
Markel Fultz and uh, Anthony Cole. What's his last name? Oh my god. Cole, Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony. Anthony. Cole. Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, that's. Yeah. So they're looking for people to play for the team. Yeah. Um, and I am a big fan. I think this is now the time to talk about Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes. Uh, that's who I have going fifth. <laughs> you have him going fifth as well. Yeah. I did. I assumed based on what you had said that you would also have him going fifth. Is Scotty Barnes again just athletic specimen? Six foot eight, two twenty five, seven foot three wingspan. Oh. Um, I, I, he fits oh. that point forward definition really well, Noah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, that this is a guy that could bring up the ball if you wanted him to. I think he's another guy that could defend one through five. I think that his, his scoring, well, it, it wasn't electric in college. You, you would see bursts of it, and you would just see him take over games sometimes with five minutes to go, and he would just get his. I mean, he would pull up, he could get to the hoop, he could finish through contact. This is a guy who I have extreme faith in. Yeah, he's a, he's a pretty good playmaker too, Colin. Um while he's not, he doesn't possess the traditional upside as a scorer, but teams still see him as having star qualities, which is tied to his two-way versatility and some of his intangibles. And I think he is a strong. I think he's a strong match for Orlando Collin. I think he's the type of player that they look to draft, um, possessing both that length yeah. and the versatility that fits into their traditional type of drafting ethos. And I do think, I think Scotty Barnes is ready to come in and defend any day of the week. On I just have worries when you look at some of his downsides. You know, it's people always like to say, you know, if he figures his shot out, this guy's an All NBA talent. And I kind of, I it's always if he figures that shot out, you know, Colin. And I feel like, yeah, more time than most, more of the time than most, these guys don't figure their shots out, and. Uh, you know, you're stuck with just a really good defender. Um, but I do think he's the right pick here for the Magic. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be a beautiful fit next to Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I do think also with the Magic, I don't think there's a position, if you're the Magic, that you're not going to draft for. Like, yeah. I think if you're the Magic, you're just taking best available. And I think that We've got those top three guys in a tier. Um, we'll call Suggs in a tier, and then I like Scotty Barnes, and then I think it starts to cluster a bit and becomes much less clear, at least in my mind, where you go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets a little murky after this pick. Yeah. Um, well, then I will let you go. So I want to hear who you have. With the number six pick here, Colin, this is where we get into Jonathan Kuminga range. And okay, months months before this draft, Colin, Jonathan Kuminga was basically heralded as a top five pick in this draft. And things have not folded out that way for him. And I, 
Oh my god. I want to say Jonathan Kaminga goes here, Colin, but I really don't. I On my draft, I have James Booknight going here to the Thunder. A guard out of UConn. Okay. Alright, I can respect that. Um, to the Thunder. Yes. I, yeah, I, I can respect that. Um, one of the... I, I don't know if it's a knock. Do you want to call it? But he is a sophomore. So mm-hmm. he does have two seasons under his belt. Um, so obviously still young, um, but maybe considered to be a little less raw than a guy like Jonathan Kuminga, who obviously hasn't uh, seen the college spotlight and what that shines on you. Um, so actually, where did Kuminga play his, his ball? G League Ignite. Okay. Okay. That's why I don't know anything um, about this guy because they did not yeah, market. They did not. We were talking about that yesterday, Colin. They did not market or like help the casual NBA player learn about these G League Ignite guys very well at all. No, that's what I'm saying. Like it just like I didn't like know about any other games. Like it's kind of tough to find their stats. Like it just yeah, that's what I assumed. But he is from the Congo, so I didn't know if he had played overseas somewhere for um uh, until he was eligible but yeah so what we do have about um his stats from the g league uh, in the 15 games he played he made 42 threes uh, 42 threes across 19 games which is pretty impressive We'll, we'll take that that's Roughly 2.23s a game. It's not giving me his efficiency stats on that, but definitely a specimen. Uh, 6'8", 7 foot wingspan. I mean, kind of sound like a dead horse at this point with him. Um, but yeah, so I I kind of like taking the flyer on Jonathan Kaminga, and what you were saying earlier, it, it's the thunder. And I think that they are willing to take the risk on some of these lesser-known guys because they know that they're not going to be relevant for a while, and they know that they can really take the time to develop some of these guys. So mm-hmm. for that reason, I think that I would take Kuminga here and and Noah. He's 18 years old. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a fine pick. Um, I like Jonathan Kaminga a lot, Colin. I, I wouldn't be surprised though if he was the bust of this top ten. I'm, I'm, I'm being real with that. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So I did find his his stats for the G League: sixteen points a game, seven boards, two and a half assists, one steal. No efficiency numbers though. Okay. So you have him going six to the yeah, Thunder. Yeah, I do. Okay. To the Thunder, I think that. And I have James Booknight. And you have um, James Booknight. So now we we're on the Warriors. Get into a pretty interesting team, Noah. Uh, the Warriors actually select twice in this lottery. They go seven and fourteen. And so the, the Warriors are in a much different place than, than the rest of these teams in the lottery. It's, uh, probably everybody knows. 
because they do not need, they do not want to take the time to develop these guys. They want guys yes. who can step in mm -hmm. and be effective. And for that reason, Noah, um, oh, say, say it, say I it. Think it. I think it makes sense for them to take Franz Wagner. Let's go, baby. That's who I have. Let's go. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I have Franz Wagner going seventh con for every reason you said. Um, Jonathan Kuminga still available on my board here when the Warriors pick on, but as we said, he's a developmental project, and this Warriors team does not have time to develop guys. Um, they're looking to win a championship, Colin, in the next two to yeah. one to three years, and I think Franz Wagner is a guy who can immediately come in and help this Warriors team. I think he can immediately become a starter for them, if not getting starter-like yeah. minutes. Um, he's a 6'9". Well, hold on, let me pull it up, sorry. He's a 6'9", 220 um, wing out of Michigan. He's a really good pick-and-roll playmaker, which I don't think he got to show off enough, actually, at um, Michigan. He has size, he has length. He provides defensive versatility for the Warriors, and he provides good spot-up shooting for the Warriors, which we assume where is most of his shots will come. Um, he yeah. kind of reminds me of like a Mike Dunleavy Jr. or like Andre Kirilenko, um, a, a guy who can kind of do a little bit of everything. And mm -hmm. I, I love the thought of him going to the Warriors. He's a guy I really want on the Pacers at 13, but I think there's no way he falls to really? them at 13. Yeah, I think that he's getting a little too much hype to fall yeah. that far. Um, yeah, so a comparison that... I kind of had in mind, just based on the way they play, is actually Hito Turkoglu, and I mm -hmm. kind of like that one a lot. So Hito was a 6'10", 220 wing, uh, he could get you at small forward or power forward. He was a career 38% three-point shooter, but definitely picked that up um, after some rough seasons a bit earlier on. And yeah, I, I like what Franz can do, I think he's a good defender, which the Warriors are definitely looking for. I mean, the offensive output is going to be there, especially if Clay Thompson's there. But if you're telling me, Noah, that you're running some combination of Steph, Clay, Franz, Draymond, and a hopefully improved James Wiseman, that's four very that's solid awesome. defenders right there. He's like very when the Warriors were players. when the Warriors were at their best, Colin, it's when Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala were playing at a very high level, and Franz Wagner yeah. kind of reminds me. He has shades of both of them. Yeah, yeah, I like the Iguodala comparison as well. I think he's a, a bit of a better shooter than. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, with the fate of the universe on the line, Colin, I'm taking Iguodala. <laughs> well, absolutely. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, so then, okay. So, so we got the Magic we, we back got the at magic eight again. Uh, whatever they get the Bulls pick. I don't even. Shh. I don't even give a crap, dude. Um. Yeah. So then, <laughs> so, I would so. probably take Book Knight here on my board. I know you've mm -hmm. already spoken about him. Mm -hmm. Um. I think he works well as the, the shooting guard. Let Anthony Cole or Cole Anthony, whichever one you want. Uh. Take the point guard duties. I know that there's some other point guards available at this spot that I'm kind of fond of, but I think that Book Knight 
makes some sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Magic card. I still have Jay, Jonathan Kuminga available on my board, Colin. But they're not going to take oh. another developmental wing when they just drafted Scotty Barnes at fifth. Um, one of them yeah. will have to come off the bench. And we're looking for a starter here in the top ten. So I actually have them taking Keon Johnson, shooting guard out of Tennessee. Um, mm, yeah. This is a guy who has really good size and strength, and he's pretty dynamic. Um, he doesn't have a proven three-point shot yet, Colin. Only 27% from the college line, but on a low number of attempts. Um, but he's really good at getting to the lane and finishing at the rim or scoring mid-range jumpers. Um, something teams have become more willing to consider, given all the space created by um, the rise of the three-pointer. Um, I think he fits really well with Cole Anthony. He gives the Magic a pretty good young backcourt to build around. And they're also going to have a yeah. fucking versatile defense with him, Jonathan Isaac, and um, Scotty Barnes. So, yeah, you know, here the Magic are trying to go for a tenacious defender who's going to rack up the hustle points for them. And I think Keon Johnson fits that perfectly. Um, yeah, I like that. He had a very nice college career. Looked really solid. I like how he fits in with the Magic and... Yeah, I, I agree. I think they go shooting guard here. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the consensus that we both have. All right. Number nine, a, a really interesting team in the Sacramento Kings because do they keep their war quote-unquote together or, you know, is De'Aaron Fox actually on the trade block? Where do they go? Um, so with that, uh, I don't know. The this to me, like that question needs to be answered maybe a little bit beforehand before we get there. Um, but a guy that has been getting a lot of international attention is Josh Giddy out of Australia, Noah. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a point guard that could be wrapped into a, a shooting guard given the role, but mm-hmm. he's about 6'9". Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 185, so definitely needs to put some weight on. On the younger side, because he is only 18 at the moment, uh, played some basketball out in Australia this last year. Looks really good. Definitely has a bit of a slower game. Not necessarily the most athletic guy out there, but he can shoot. He can pull up. Um, and he, he is methodical in the way that we see a lot of these other European guys, <clears throat> like uh, Aluka. Um, but he's got really nice footwork, and he's got a nice step back three, Noah, which I really like. Footwork means a lot with these young guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, here at ninth, Colin, I have Jonathan Kamiga going. I don't think he could fall any more okay. um, further than this. But at tenth to the Grizzlies, I actually have... Um, Josh Giddy going. Um, there's been reports okay. coming out the last couple of days that this is a guy that they um, were targeting when thinking about trading up. And I actually love the thought of his fit with the Grizzlies con. Um, Giddy mm-hmm. was the Australian League's assist leader at 18 years old last season. He doesn't turn 19 till October, actually. Um, he has really special passing instincts and a really high IQ. And but two of the things not in his game are um, his athleticism and his explosiveness. 
something that I think a guy like Ja Morant easily covers up and having the two of them playing alongside each other sounds like a fantastic pairing. Um, His shooting development is going to be a key calm for both his development and his fit wherever he goes. But yeah, I think the Grizzlies have time to let this guy develop Colin. Where, where so if I saw Giddy going to a team like the Magic or something, I think they would be asking too much about of, out of him um, right when he walks mm-hmm. in the door. But coming into a team like the Grizzlies, you know, he has two leaders of that team in both Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant, too. You know, he can take a back seat and actually yeah. develop. I, I really like the fit with the Grizzlies here. Yeah. Yeah, I see that, and that I was—that's kind of what I was pairing him with De'Aaron Fox for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like the analysis. Um, I will say this guy definitely, out of everybody we've talked about so far, like has the most bust potential. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. guy could could definitely get to the NBA and just not be able to hang. Mm-hmm. Definitely needs to put on some weight. He's only one eighty five right now at six foot nine. I mean, that's basically like a, a scarecrow, just a straw man. Um, How much he weigh? Form I think needs a three eighty. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot you were an absolute work, unit. Yeah, yeah, I'm massive, bro. Uh, form needs <laughs> a little bit of work, but I like him there. Alrighty, at ten, Noah. I anticipate that we have the same guy here. Well, no, I had it Josh is... Giddy. Oh. Oh. Sh- okay. Just um, say your ten, because I talked shit, about my nine I... and ten. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Oh, actually, I haven't gone with Keon Johnson yet. Uh, that is that is my 10. Um, that's a good fit. Sorry. I, yeah. Sorry. I, you know, honestly, I was looking at a draft, like the uh, positions that still had the Pelicans at 10. And so in my head, I was Awkward. Like, oh, yeah, I know. Whoopsie. All right. So you have, you have right, Keon so Johnson got, going 10th? Yeah, I got... Yeah, I got Keon Johnson going 10. All right, so then at 11, we have the Hornets. Who do you like going to the Hornets, Noah? So we, I kind of covered this in our Hornets offseason plan video, Colin, but um, mm-hmm. Kai Jones, the center out of Texas, is building a lot of hype of going here 11th to the Hornets, Colin. But I, I, I don't like the thought of them drafting a rookie big man, Colin. Um, as we know, rookie big men, it takes them a while to adapt to the NBA game. And with the center position yeah. being so important to your team, especially like a team on the Hornets, on the Hornets, Colin, who I think are a little bit pressured to win now. You know, they have a guy like Gordon Hayward. Um, yeah. He's not getting any younger. And they potentially could lose two guards, Colin, in this offseason, Malik Monk and... Um, Devontae Graham. So here I have them taking Corey Kispert um, out of Gonzaga. Um, a 50-40-90 guy in college. It sounds like he's just going to come into the Hornets team and bring stability, shooting, good defending. Um, yeah, I kind of love everything about Corey Kispert. And I want him to come to the Pacers. Yeah. Alright, it sounds like you want a lot of these guys to come to the Pacers. <laughs> Uh, I actually like them to go international here to go center. Oh, I agree with you. Alpharin? Yeah. Let's I, go. I like Alpharin. Let's uh, go, like baby. Young. I love this guy. 18 years old, but I think he, he kind of fits because if you're the Hornets, you, you kind of have your score set. You, mm-hmm. You've got Lamelo, you have Gordon, 
Scary Terry is obviously a scary fella, and I think you just need a guy who can bang down low, and that's what I think Alfred mm -hmm. provides. He's young, he's got great footwork, um, he can score on the inside, I think he's got nice sport awareness for a big guy from what I was able to watch of him. Um, definitely not an athletic guy, and I know his defense is going to be a bit of a question um, just based on what they've seen out of him. I think he is a bit on the slower end in terms of how he moves, but I, I don't know if that necessarily matters uh, for how he would fit into the Hornets offense. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him, Colin. Personally, um, if, I'm, if the Hornets are thinking about going big man route, um, I would rather go with a guy like yeah. Kai Jones versus Alper and Sengun. Because Kai Jones is just a pure rim runner. He's going to try to dunk alley-oop over you every play. And I think that's a better mm -hmm. fit with LaMelo. But um, Sengun, he, he's one of the biggest mysteries in this draft con. And, you know, he's gonna he's getting a bit of a bump just from Jokic and every team wanting to find the next Jokic yeah. con. But at 19, he was the MVP of the Turkish Super League. He averaged 19 points and 9 rebounds. Um, and, yeah, I think... I think he's going to be... A, if you haven't heard about this guy, go look him up on YouTube because you kind of just have to see him play um, before you can tell, like, this guy's going to be good, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he definitely has a weird play style, but I, I kind of like it. Yeah, I like the Kai Jones thing. Um, I think it might be a reach just based on where his actual talents lie. I mean, I, I do agree that they fit very well with the Hornets. Um but I don't know if he provides as much upside as a guy like Alfred mm -hmm. does. But maybe they don't need it, really. Yeah. All, All right. right. So do you have, uh, who do you have going number 12 to the Spurs? Because I'm going to get to my 12. Pacers, bro. Okay. I've got Davion Mitchell out of Baylor. Oh. I think that the Spurs could use a point guard of the future. Um, and Even with DeJounte and Derek White? Even with DeJounte and Derek White. I like DeJounte. Um, I think you kind of have to be realistic if you're the Spurs, though. Is mm -hmm. Derek White going to be in your, your long-term plan? <laughs> and I I have to imagine that the answer is Okay. I think Derek White played pretty well this last year, but, you know, going back to that conversation we had at the beginning, you're made by the guards. And I don't know if I see Derek White living up to some of the expectations that are required out of the NBA guard. And I really like Davion Mitchell. I actually think he's falling a bit based on his talent, but we just watched that guy just dominate all season on Baylor, Noah. Like, mm -hmm. all season killed it um lightning quick lightning quick i think that he provides just that dynamic john wall-esque in his prime type presence um definitely a little erratic can turn the ball over because he moves so quickly but i think he's just gonna run up and down the nba court i think he's gonna get on the court and you're gonna go holy shit that guy's fast yeah. And um, he shot 45% from through last yeah. 
Yeah, I have him... Um, at 12, I had Al Perrins and Goon going to the Spurs, Colin. I think that's probably Pop's, like, wet dream, getting to develop that guy um, in San Antonio yeah. where not a lot of pressure will be put on him. But at 13, going to the Pacers, Colin, I actually do have Davion Mitchell. Um, Ooh, because you wanted him. That's <clears> why you didn't have him. I, I actually am not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm actually not that excited about him. Um, he kind of gives me Aaron Holiday really? vibes. I'm t- kind of tired of the Pacers drafting backup point guards. Um, but I do think a team like the Pacers, who are going to make a push for the playoffs next season under Rick Carla, I think Mitchell does fit the bill. Um, we're in need of another ball handler, and teams have cooled off on Mitchell a lot, Colin. He was potentially going to go seventh to the yeah. Warriors, but I think his intangibles, his worth work ethic, his defensive toughness, and his offensive game are pretty highly enticing, and I think he'd fit pretty well in a Pacers situation where he's not going to be tasked with, um... You know, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Put it simply. Um, for you guys, I, I like the fit of Moses Moody from Arkansas. Yeah, so do a, I. a 3 and D type of guy. Um, I think that he's, he provides great athleticism, 6'6", 7'1", wingspan, weighs in about 205. Uh, ESPN lets us know here that he ranked in the top 10 and half-court scoring efficiency among other players with 400 possessions. I think that that's a really underrated stat right there, Noah. Um, Because obviously you love to go get at it and run, but that's not how the NBA game... That is not going to be what differentiates you as a player. I think that's kind of a team dynamic. And being able to move well in the half-court offense be efficient um, is really important and I think he comes in as maybe one of the more polished up products if you guys are looking to make a playoff push mm-hmm. who do you have going 14th Colin last pick let's make it quick do you have Corey Kispert uh, do you want me to take Corey Kispert I'll take Corey Kispert. I'll take Corey I'm taking Chris Duarte from Oregon. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I did write my notes. I'd be shocked if the Warriors held on to both of these picks. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for where they're at. But, yeah, I like Corey Kispert um, coming in. Definitely another guy that provides them uh, some more immediate help off the bench. All right, and there's our mock draft, people. Um, can't wait for the actual draft tomorrow, Colin. I'm sure we'll probably make an episode on Sunday recapping the draft, getting our thoughts. And that's another episode of Bench Chatter, boys, the Common Man's NBA podcast. And we'll see you soon. See ya. Peace.